I love the sayings that uh, people have created. I wish I were uh, intelligent or creative enough to come up with them. Um, for example, uh, finding a needle in a haystack. That says a whole bunch, you know. There's a haystack and you're looking for the needle. Oh, where? Or can't see the forest for the trees. And that's what happened to me last night. I got duped by the word of God. It got me. It grabbed me and it threw me to the floor and I missed the point. And I went through a whole bunch of stuff yesterday trying to describe, uh, get into this reading. And I'm going to say some of the similar stuff, but from a different vantage point. And I'll tell you, it, it hit me in the morning. I, I wake up sometimes and, and I'm thinking about, oh, what am I going to say tomorrow? And, and I didn't like what I said. It just didn't do it. So this morning I thought of a picture that hangs in the bathroom downstairs in the rectory. I went to go get it this morning, and it's gone. So if there's a policeman or woman here, I want to find the culprit. Someone took that picture, and I can't stand it. But what it is, is an Indian chief. And then there's a, a written message on it. And I can't, I can't give it all to you, but basically this is the message. It said that this tribe, American Indians, I don't know, remember who they are, that they, when they make their... Um, Serapis or their cloths or their shawl or whatever it is, they always build into it a flaw. They make a flaw. So they, there's a thread that's wrong or there's a bump where, you know, and, and they do it on purpose because they say nothing is perfect. That's the point. The imperfection is part of the, the reality. And it's a truth that is so true that if we miss it, we can spend our lives, and, and they call these perfectionists, and in psychology say, this is a flaw. When you're trying to be perfect and think that you can be perfect and that you must be perfect, and only if you're perfect, you're acceptable. But the truth is, when we say, no, it's not true, I'm flawed. I'm a sinner. That's why we start the Mass always. We greet each other, we sing a beautiful song, and then we say, let us recall that we're sinners. Because if we miss that point, hmm, we go awry. We start living a lie. We're just not perfect, and that's okay. The scriptures today focus on Mary in this um, angelic visitation by Gabriel, announcing that she's going to be the mother of God. It, it's interesting uh, from a whole bunch of points of view, but... I have to say, I, today I appreciate Luke differently because Luke played with the material and, and, and he just, this, this angelic visitation is only in Luke, nowhere else. So that right away should put a light on things. Say, aha, uh -huh, what's going on here? And quite frankly, if it happened exact, exactly as it is said, why wouldn't Mark want to tell us that? Why wouldn't Matthew? Why would John, even though he goes so much further in his theology, describing the word that took on flesh and dwelt among us, the word was God and the word was with God, why would anybody drop out this story? It's just too incredible. An angel of God appeared to Mary and announced to her, you're going to be the mother of God. How can it be? I've never been with a man. The Holy Spirit of God will come upon you. What a message. But I say... Whether or not it happened doesn't matter to me. And if, if people believe it happened exactly as it said, bravo, fine. 
I tend to think not. But I tend to think that Luke was brilliant. What a storyteller. And in Matthew, it mentions virgin birth, mentions it, that she was a virgin. But Luke takes that and expands it in this incredible story. An angel of God came and addressed Mary and announced to her in this annunciation that she was to be the mother of God. She would bring, bring in an ordinary pregnancy something extraordinary. You know, I, I, I think that's what Christmas is about. The ordinary is extraordinary. And that is a truth that we, we got to get it because not only does the extraordinary come to us through ordinary things, but we take through our ordinary actions and words and give extraordinary things to one another. For example, um, I, I don't know if Arlene was the one who thought this up years ago, but since I've been here, been doing it, and I remember when she addressed me the first year saying, Father, we always invite people up to light the candle each week. I thought, oh, that's wonderful. We bring a family up. So each week, uh, a different family comes up and lights the candle. And uh, it's, that's rather ordinary. But the extraordinary thing in it is not just the wreath, but the giving of the light to the wreath and the giving of that light to us. And who does it? Does, does the pope or bishop come? Does the priest get up and light? No, one of the parishioners, an ordinary person, comes out of their pew or out of their seat and comes up and lights the candle as we bless it again to let the blessing of this coming light fill us. So in an ordinary action of lighting the Advent wreath, the extraordinary grace is that we're called to recognize that the light is coming to us slowly but surely. But the eternal light will be birthed on that day <coughs> of Christmas through the Virgin Mary. This extraordinary moment in time that we will look back to so that it can extraordinarily happen in us again this year. And I could say, well, this is the 70th time I've done it. Well, it's better be better than last year and the year before. Because I'm a year older, hopefully more mature. I have hopefully experienced extraordinary graces all through this year. I'll give you an extraordinary grace, this pandemic. We're alive. That's extraordinary. And in a, in a time right now where every single day there are hundreds in Los Angeles dying, keeps increasing, and we're alive. We're alive. That's extraordinary. So today I hear in these scriptures a message that, that is amazing. In an ordinary birth, an extraordinary revelation is given to us that God has entered the world. Well, everything in this world is in God. God is in every, every cell of this world, every atom of this world. There's no separation. There can't be. We belong to God. We belong to God. We're his. But the extraordinary thing is when we, living our ordinary existence, day after day, minute after minute, second after second, when we realize the presence of our God. And we can't possibly live every second remembering that or appreciating it. We, we, we go cuckoo. Our mind has to filter things out.
But when we have these momentary um, experiences of realizing, sometimes it's this. I, I love it when I go outside in front of the church and I see a car come by and it's, it's the usual. As they, they cross in front because it's not just a church, but they're, they're crossing in front of the tabernacle, wherever it is in the church, and they're blessing themselves. That's, that's one of those moments. It's, it's, it's nothing, and it's everything. Now, it can be automatic, but it could be even in the automatic gesture, the ordinary gesture that is done every time a person might pass in front of the church, that in that second, there's just an awareness. I belong to God. God belongs to me, and there I am in his presence. There he is again, gracing me. An extraordinary moment in a very ordinary action. So, my question is this. Friday, this, this will be a different Christmas. My brother-in-law called uh, two days ago and said, now, you miss Thanksgiving, are you coming up? I said, I can't. I said, the whole community knows when I go, and, and I, if I had been telling them they shouldn't be getting together and keep all their distancing, and then I go up, no, I said, I can't do it. And besides, if I get sick, um, uh, that's at least, or even get positive, that's at least 14 days that they don't have a service. Or we have to bring in a priest uh, 14 days. We have to pay a priest to come in. We don't have the money to do that. And uh, No, it's irresponsible. I said, I can't. And he says, well, you know we're all going to talk about you. I said, you do that when I'm there. <laughs> it's all right. Talk about me. But it's different. It's the first Christmas I've missed since uh, since. With my parents, I used to drive them up there. I, I, it's the first one. And for most of us, many of us, that's what will be this year, a unique Christmas. It'll be extraordinary in its ordinariness, but, the, but, but in the reality that we just can't congregate as fully as we might like to, we can't without risking ours or others' lives. That makes this an extraordinary Christmas, extraordinary and very strange. But maybe there's grace in that. Maybe there is extraordinary grace in that for us. Maybe we are meant, not, God didn't give this to us, but what will God give to us through this? You know, God doesn't make us fall, but when we fall, he's there to catch and lift us up and love us. So what might be the extraordinary grace or love that is to come to us in this pandemic Christmas? What is the light, the extraordinary light that we are possibly able to give to one another? What is the love and how will that love be shown this year in very different circumstances, in very different ways? It is, I, I believe, what we are supposed to do during this particular Christmas. Figure it out. Look for that grace. Open up to find God in all of this stuff. And then in a very simple, ordinary way, give the light to one another.